0: And to say, peace, be still, I'm on the throne, and this ends really good, just wait and see. He's faithful, and he'll do that. And He'll be your, your peace, your presence, and uh, I just encourage you to seek him. Don't let these days go by just filled with all the busyness. Don't let it happen. Put a stop to it. Do whatever you have to do to say, I will seek the Lord in these days, I will listen to his voice. I will direct my children in my home. We will seek him together. Because when we do, he's faithful. He's faithful. Well, I'd invite you to take your Bibles, which is the Word of God, and turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. We'll be looking at a couple of verses there, and then also in Matthew chapter 4 this morning. Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4. I don't do titles of messages very often, but if I did, and I did this this morning, uh, the title of the message would simply be this, repent for he's coming. Sorry, didn't mean to. I did. I didn't mean to. I shouldn't. Matthew chapter 3, look with me, verse 1. Now in those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I don't ever read this without thinking that John the Baptist was just out there bellowing this as loud as he possibly could. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Skip down to verse 8. Therefore, or because of this, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Look over to chapter 4, verse 16. The people... Who were sitting in darkness saw a great light and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them a light dawned from that time on Jesus began to preach and say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand father may we hear receive understand and respond when we hear you call out through the ages, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Shine a light in our hearts and our souls today that will guide us and direct us in the days ahead, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As I was thinking about this, this message, and as Pastor B.J. mentioned last week, uh, we're we're hopping on the back of, uh, of uh, someone who has prepared outlines for these messages, and, and it brings at least a large portion of the Church of the Nazarene, those who minister and pastor and preach in the Church of the Nazarene together, and beyond even, uh, to be focusing and preaching along the same lines and same themes over these weeks of Advent. But when I read this passage and I read those words again of John the Baptist and I imagined him yelling this out uh, in the wilderness there, it, it brought me back to a story that uh, I hadn't thought about in a long, long time. You ever had that happen? Something jogs a memory that was It'd been a long time since you'd ever went back there. And maybe it's a good going back, Maybe it's a not so oh no, I don't want to do that. But you go back there. It was summertime, and uh, I was at a friend's house. This was a particular summer where uh, this buddy of mine, we were we were essentially swapping houses each weekend. One weekend, I would be at his house, his mom and dad's, for the weekend, then the next weekend. As soon as we got out of school Friday, we, we just back and forth all summer. And somehow our parents went along with this, um, not knowing that... Uh, we were just we weren't up to totally no good, but we didn't have a lot of deep virtue in most of our plans uh, throughout the summer but uh But w- there we were, and it had rained several days that week. My friend lived right on the edge of town, and so they had some they had some land and a barn just a little ways down from his house, and right along the the front of that or the w- one side of that barn there was just a path that had been wore out with tractors and trucks and things going by all, uh, all through the summer. And the rain had turned those tracks into one of the greatest mud holes you've ever seen in your life. Now, in my mind, it's as long as an airplane runway and just, just begs for you to hop on your bicycle with your buddy and dare each other to make it across. Knowing neither one of you are going to make it, but you're going to have a whole lot of fun trying. And so that was the plan. And not only did we know we we probably weren't going to make it, we were just going to have a whole lot of fun trying to navigate through this uh, this mud hole. We also knew that no matter whose house we were at, if we had got caught because we were fully clothed and just plowing through, you know, we were going to be in some deep trouble but it was going to be so worth it sorry parents I'm glad. I hope this isn't I know I'm setting myself up to pay for this later at some point but. so we we took off and we actually were doing pretty well uh, you know several attempts in there good runs I mean we were getting better distance every time and we were getting muddier, and that and those ruts were getting deeper, and the mud was getting thicker, and I mean, and it was getting into places I didn't know I had, and it was just we were, I mean, we were covered. If you if you had looked down there, all you would have seen were eyeballs, I guess would have just been, and we were just totally covered in mud, and it hadn't even dawned on us that you know you can, this isn't a situation you can get out of real quick. You know, you can't just be playing with something you shouldn't be playing with, and go, oh, you know. You're covered in mud, I mean, every stitch of clothing you've got on, everything. You can't just say no, we weren't in the mud hole. So, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. but we had it figured out. you know his mom was on a schedule at work, my mom was on a schedule at work, so we had if you if, if we knew anything, it was the times of our parents coming and going. I don't know if any of the rest of you did this. I mean, you had it down to the minute, you knew, you know, if they stay on their schedule, you know when they're going to, when when they go to work, when lunch is, when they get home, when, you know, and my dad was just set with that. I could bank on it. He got off work at 5 o'clock, at 5.12, he would pull in the driveway, I mean, I, I just, and he was faithful with it. Well, my buddy's mom apparently does not stick to this schedule like any other normal human being would. She decided to come home early. And the reason this even remotely ties into what John was saying is that I remember I had my buddy had just run down that, that mud hole and got almost to the very end of it and just totally wiped out. And he was still pulling himself up out of the mud when out of the corner of my eye I saw her car, his mom. And if I had known... John the Baptist at the time, I would have yelled his words, but I didn't. Instead, I said, Oh no, she's coming! I should have yelled, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And uh, I'll let you fill in how you think it might have went from there. we might come back to it let's let's think about this word repent it's it's not a word that everybody just automatically knows it's also a word that that people have different definitions for Uh, repent might be as simply understood as don't do that anymore stop doing that turn away from what you were doing or saying or thinking or acting and go in a different direction. It's, it, it might be more easily understood than it is implemented in our lives. I think so. I think it, I think it's easier to grasp the concept of don't do that anymore, don't go that way anymore, don't say that anymore, don't be like that anymore, turn and go a different direction, walk in a different direction. I think it's easier to understand that, than it is to live it out, to truly live it out, and but the biblical definition, it means exactly that: to turn away from, to to forsake, to choose a different path. And and in the Bible, it's always in relation to sin that separates us from God. Repent, turn away from those things, whatever it might be, that are keeping you from this relationship that God desires you to have with Him. No matter how attractive it may be, no matter how totally worth it it may seem, it's not. Repent. Go a different direction. Go toward Him. Turn away from, forsake those things which lead you further away from Him, which separate you from God. The definition is one thing. The application is another. And here's why we get it wrong so many times. I think one of the most basic places we get the definition of repentance wrong is that for far too long we have defined it as a one-time act rather than a lifestyle. Let me explain what I mean. I came by this honestly. I think it was preached and taught honestly. And I don't think it was necessarily... Bad for me, it just wasn't the clearest picture that it needed to be. Most of us are familiar with the concept of repentance when it looks like, feel guilty for something, feel bad about it, go and confess and say, I'm sorry. But repentance ought to be deeper than that. that. It ought to be more than that in our Lives. It 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 should run parallel with the understanding of sanctification that we ought to have. Another another understanding that we've had of it's a it's a go to the altar and, and commit yourself fully to the Lord and it's a one we've 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 done the same thing with sanctification sometimes. An act rather than a lifestyle. It should be more than just saying I'm sorry even though we may truly be it ought to run parallel with sanctification because God is calling us to nothing less he he says three times in leviticus and peter will later quote it in the book that bears his name be holy because i am holy speaking for god be be holy because i god am holy in matthew chapter 16 verse 24 Jesus tells his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself or die out to self. Or we could say, repent and turn away from that old nature, those, that, that nature that got you in trouble in the first place. What, what made me and my friend think that we were going to get away with that, running through that mud hole anyway? What caused us to say, we know we shouldn't, but we're going to do it anyway, it's going to be so worth it. What was in us that led to that in the first place? Why was I surprised when she showed up unannounced? Take up your cross, Jesus says, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Repent. Turn away from the old life. Turn away from the the ways that never led you to anywhere but one more dead end. Turn away from it. Turn away from anything that is dampening your affection and your desire to know the Lord and to live for Him, to draw close to Him. It may seem like a momentary reward that's worth it, but it never truly pans out. Turn away. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, I love it that we celebrate baptism the way we do, and we should. It, it ought to be a high moment, a moment of joy, a moment of celebration, a moment of praise, and I'm, I'm so thankful that Pastor B.J. emphasizes that, that to us. We had better not get out-shouted when someone comes to new life in Christ and it's celebrated through baptism. But something fundamental has to happen in a person's life if baptism is going to mean everything that it's worth shouting about. And that fundamental thing that has to happen is repent. Repent. Take on a new life. Turn and walk in a new direction. And here's, here's the clincher with this. We, we can't do that on our own. How many of you want to get in, li- in the line with me that says, I've tried to fix me a lot on my own, and it never did work out too well? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, I used to read that as a negative. I used to read that as that means I'm losing. That means I'm giving up, I'm quitting, I'm laying it all down. I'm I'm losing. It, it it felt that way, it seemed. It seemed that way. I'm so thankful to God that He's allowed me the time to grow and mature in the faith to come to the place of seeing that, no, you're not losing. You're opening the door to receive all of the joy and the peace and the mercy and the grace and the hope that God wants to fill your life with because you are laying bare yourself before Him so that He can raise you up to new life. He can start you over again. He can fix the problems. He can guard your heart and navigate your life much better than you ever could. Denying ourselves and dying to self is is laying ourselves out there in such a way that we aren't quitting. We are investing ourselves totally and completely in saying, Here I am, Lord. You can have all of me. If you remember the image that Mark Murphy has shared before when he sang the, the song here of the little boy and the offering plate, that, that image of, I don't have any money in my pockets, I don't have anything to give when they pass the plate, so the next time it comes around, I'll, I'll set the plate on the floor and I'll step into the plate and I'll give him me. Because really that's all he's after anyway. Some of us, we've, we've given a whole lot of money We've given a whole lot of time. We've given a whole lot of works. And all he's ever been after is just give me you. I just want you. I don't need the money. I don't need those other things. I can I can call up rocks to worship me if I need to. That's in our text today. If I, if I if all if all he wants is just people to worship and sing, he can he can just call these pew we didn't it wouldn't even have to show up this morning. He could make these pews seem like the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, if he wanted to. But he's after you. He wants you. You're the best offering that can be given in this place. Your life laid down for him. I think it's also what Jesus was trying to get through to Peter when he corrects him as forcefully as Jesus will correct anybody in Scripture. And he says in Matthew 16, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That's a hard word. And it's even harder when it's leveled at us. But repent carries with it this connotation of, of seek the Lord. Put Him first. Repent. Turn away from those things which which He has by His grace revealed to you are not in accordance with his word, are not in the way he wants you to walk. If we could only referee ourselves as well as we do others on this, we'd be so much further down the road. I'm really good at pointing out where everybody else is coming up short. I can do it with the best of them. It's a little bit harder when I'm having to remember that when I point one finger, three are coming back at me. But what does it mean to have repentance as a lifestyle? If, if, if the goal ought to be that it's a lifestyle rather than an act, is, is it possible and what would it even look like? I think there's a couple of things that we can keep in mind here that might help us. I think it means this, being a cross-bearer. Being a cross-bearer, what do I mean? In Matthew 16, 24, it's also in Mark and it's also in Luke, Jesus says we are to take up our cross and follow him too many times this is another verse that i think we just we just there's no clear way to say it i think we just get it wrong because we identify the cross in that passage as sickness or an unsaved family member or a bad job or a financial hardship but the cross that jesus is calling us to take up it is not something that is forced on us it is not something that is brought on us against our will. It is something that He calls us to willingly lay down, to willingly bear, to say, I know there is a cross, and I see my Lord ahead of me bearing his cross, and I will respond when he says, If you're going to follow me, take up your cross. Willingly. Doing it willingly. What is your cross. What is my cross? Your cross is when you willingly die to yourself. Here's what I'm convinced of, and I wasn't always, but I am convinced of this. If there is something in your life that you can look at and say, you know what, I could, I can give that up, I can sacrifice that, and I can analyze my situation and my circumstances and my resources and what I have and what we, we as a family have, or what are, whether it's income or what or whatever, I, I can pay that price. That may be a sacrifice, but that's not your cross. If you can do it in your own strength, if you can find a way to somehow make it happen, to somehow get through it, manage it, make it work, it may be a sacrifice, but it's not your cross. Your cross is you. It's also why we, we tend to go down these roads a lot of, well, I... I just don't understand why I didn't get the victory I was after or why I didn't get the the celebration that I wanted. I, 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 I tweaked this. I I gave a little here. I worked on that a little bit. I, I, I quit doing that just a little bit and went in this direction a little bit more. I, I thought that's all it would take. I, I I did a little bit there. And because it's short of you laying your life down fully and completely, you live with unrealized victory with unrealized joy and peace that could be yours that that could be that experience of coming up out of the water to new life everything changed behold all things passed away behold all things have become new that experience that's what we ought to be after not just a an adjusted life but new life it's totally different Your cross is you willingly dying out to yourself. You do this by saying no to sin and self and yes to Christ. Yes to Him at every turn. This requires a heart change that says, I know I have been bought, I have been ransomed, I have been rescued by the precious blood of Jesus on Calvary, so I will live every day of my life for the one who paid for me, for the one who died for me. We used to sing it with these words, I will live for him who died for me, how happy then my life shall be. I'll live for him who died for me, my Savior and my God. I've watched people's lives and the direction and purpose of their life be totally transformed when someone stepped in and saved their life in a in a mortal sense here in this world. Someone intervened. I've, I've watched patients respond to doctors as though I will love you till the day I die, because they look into the face of that doctor and see someone who they believe has literally saved their life. Now I'm not saying that's a bad thing, I'm just saying it ought to cause us to ask ourselves the question, do I look to Jesus and see him that way? Do I look to him and do I live for him in such a way as to say, every day I know that I'm here by the grace of God, that I'm saved by his grace, that if it were not for his blood shed for me, I have nothing to bring, I have nothing to offer. But by his grace, he has saved me. By his power, he has redeemed me. He has purified me. He has set me on a path to live for him and to walk for him every day. And I will do it as one grateful to know that I've been saved, to know that I've been redeemed. When we live that way before him? Another song came out a little later, several years later, after that one that said, what are you doing for the king? Have you really given everything for the one who gave everything for you? Don't be ashamed to say that you know Him. Count the cost, then take up your cross and follow Him. When we live like that, we experience victory. I I, I get the feeling that some of you are sensing the heaviness of it, as I often did when it was proclaimed to me. I would sense, boy, you're just piling it on. No, it only seems that way. It's kind of like when, uh, uh, again... Through some experiences I'm having lately when uh, I don't know why a doctor thinks that a chaplain is automatically more able to persuade somebody to have a medical procedure than they are but there are some that do believe that and so uh, a couple of times it's it's kind of come to me that way of so-and-so needs to have this life-threatening might kill them surgery would you go in there and convince them to do it Sure thought you were going to ask me to do something hard what do you what do you say well you you offer them this hope surgery painful damaging but it sets the stage for healing at least that's the plan the problem with surgery in in this life is that we can't guarantee the outcome and doctors always have to be faithful to disclose. A lot of things could go wrong here. Up to death and anything in between. Just You just need to know that. That's how it works. The beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus saying, take up your cross, which seems like a heavy surgery. That's, the beauty of it is there is a guarantee guarantee that you will receive everlasting life. you will receive joy unspeakable joy. you will receive peace and I for one can I never hear that word anymore that my life isn't completely altered because I've I've been in a place where there was no reason to have peace and he brought peace and there is no explanation this side of heaven. To make it work than to say that God in heaven gave his peace in that moment. And I praise him for it. Being a cross bearer. The second thing is simply this, being a wilderness traveler. A few weeks ago I spoke to you about uh, the journey of Lewis and Clark and how their, their their one big mistake was that they assumed that everything that was out there would be the same as everything they had already experienced. It seems so obvious to us. I mean, we know the the geography. We know everything about the West, all all that we want to know out there. But they had nothing to go on. So they just assumed that, well, you know, as far as we know, from the East Coast to the Mississippi, it's like this. So we just imagine it just keeps on going like that all the way to the Pacific. Wrong, wrong, and wrong again. And it changed the whole journey. It changed the whole experience. Being a wilderness traveler means understanding that the future is never going to be like the past. There's always going to be different roads. And I'm amazed at how much we live in this every day, and yet we still seem to struggle with it day after day. We, st- we seem to keep fighting day after day for things to be like they were. Instead of embracing that we're moving forward. We're moving into new days and new territory. Of course it's going to be different. Of course it's going to look different. Of course it is. Entering into our own wilderness. For, and, and, and this has been going on for a long time. So let's not, let's not give the excuse of, well, grandma and grandpa, faithful Christian, would have never done, done it this way or did. Of course they did. Of course they did. How do you think they got so strong in their faith and so close to the Lord to begin with? Because they took those steps of faith. They did seek him. They did reach out. They did dig dig down for more of him. We just we just called it a lot of different things. We we called it things like revival meetings and all night prayer vigils and and week long camps and retreats and seasons of prayer and fasting, both as congregations. And what were they doing? They were moving out of where they currently were into the wilderness to hear the voice of the Lord, to draw closer to him. They could hear. John the Baptist out there saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they were drawn to him. They weren't repelled. They wanted to know somebody out there is shouting a warning. Somebody out there, me and my buddy. Oh no, she's here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What gets you to your wilderness? Some of us, that's the biggest problem. We're just moving on, day after day after day, checking off to-do lists, moving on, next thing, next thing, next thing. We don't ever even, there's no time in there anywhere to go to the wilderness. Too busy, too much stuff. What helps you to examine your relationship with Jesus and and make new, deep, sacrificial commitments? Is it a priority for you? Are, Are you expecting that, Six months from now, my relationship with the Lord will be drastically different than it is right now. Or have we just lulled ourselves into complacency to say it's just going to keep on keeping on. It's just going to be what it's always been. Folks, that's not what the Lord has in mind. He is doing a new thing, and He is crying out. And the people of Jesus' day had to understand this. John the Baptist knew he was calling them to a total shift in paradigm. No longer the systems of old, but a Savior. No longer the rituals of the past, but a relationship. And it was totally new. It was totally different, but He was calling them to it. Advent is a time for us to enter our wilderness places. It's a time for you to shift gears in the course of a year and seek Him in ways that you hadn't before. To go to the places that we sometimes avoid, to, to go to the things that we don't necessarily want to confront, but to lay them at His feet, to, to acknowledge them and let Him have His way. He does want to do surgery. He does call us to take up our cross, but it is a guaranteed doorway to healing to stepping into a new relationship with Him, a deeper level of walking with Him and serving others and compassion in your heart and patience with those who are difficult and every attribute that you can name that you know the Spirit of Christ would put into you. What do we see in Jesus? That's what He wants to put into you. His Spirit, born in you, brought about in you in a new way. I tell you, I would trade every gift the world could give to me in a heartbeat. If you could tell me that on December the 26th, I will know my Lord in a deeper, richer, fuller way than I ever have before. You want to give me that gift? I'll take it. But here's the good thing I don't have to wait around on you. I can go to Him right now. He is present, He is in this place. He has promised His presence, He has promised His Spirit. He has promised His power to be available to us. We don't have to put on the brakes. We don't have to wait for delays. We can go to Him now. We can seek Him now. The first step is repentance. Repentance means one other thing very quickly. It means seeing with new eyes. Seeing things differently than you did before. Some of you have experienced this even recently. The world looks different to you than it used to look. There's hope. You you have compassion in your heart that wasn't there before. You, you, you just seem to be more in tune with what you hear of the nature of who Jesus is than you ever did before. You, you're, you're not as angered as, as quickly as you. There's, there's something different about you. And it's the work of God in your life. It's because you have heard, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you've responded. Good news, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, right about this point, Satan wants to trick every single person in the room. Say, I'm a pretty good person. I didn't kill anybody on the way in. I don't need to repent. Get away from that old definition. It's not just a, well, I lied, got to go to the altar and Make that right. It's not just a well. I cheated. Well, I I stole something, or uh, I didn't tell the truth. It's it's, and so I just I just need to fix that, and then I'm good and I'm done. It's a lifestyle. Every day, Lord, impress upon me anything and everything that isn't drawing me close to You, and may it be gone from my life that I might see you better and know you more. You know, we say that we believe that He wants to fill us with His Holy Spirit. Guess what? The only way you can be filled with the Holy Spirit is if you're empty of everything else, everything that is unlike Him. As our musicians are making their way back up, I think I will go back to that story, Sally. I'd like to tell you we came up with something clever. I'd like to tell you that we had thought ahead and we had staged a place for us to get the mud cleaned off and maybe even a change of clothes so that we could somehow run into the barn and get everything cleaned up and come out just like nothing ever happened. But that wouldn't be true to the wrath that was my friend's mom. Because in that moment and in that experience she saw us I don't even know if the car stopped before she was out of it coming toward us. Have you ever had a moment where you thought about running, but you knew it was futile? You knew that it doesn't matter if, unless the Lord helps me sprout wings, I am caught as caught can be. That was me and my friend. Now, here's the thing that I still don't understand to this day. And, if, and if, if my buddy was here, he could he could vouch for this. We talked about it one of the last times I was home. He still has the scars as well. She somehow, here's the part I don't understand. She somehow managed with, it was either a, a, a limb, some something she picked up between the car and where we were at and managed to whip the daylights out of us and never get a drop of mud on her. Cause she went back, I mean she went back to work right after it was all over and we were just laying there. oh I never I never could figure that out. Needless to say, kids in the room, when we thought it was worth it it was not worth it. It was not worth it. It was fun in the moment. I, I'm not gonna lie to you, it was fun, but it was not worth it. And isn't sin just that way keeps you longer than you want to stay. takes you further than you ever were going to go. costs you more than you were ever willing to pay. You didn't intend to. You never intended to until it happened. Sin tricks us like that. Satan is a deceiver and a liar, and he'll do it every time. Let's not give him the opportunity. Let's heed the warning. Let's heed the voice. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Would you stand with me this morning? Sing this song together.